0: What's up, girlies? If you love popcorn chats and you find yourself tuning in to listen to Michaela and I every week, then you should really consider becoming an ACAST Plus member. ACAST Plus gives you access to our exclusive content show, Popcorn Chats Plus. For just $5 a month, you can listen to all of our popcorn chats episodes ad free and sponsorship free, so you don't have to listen to anything that isn't our content. The best part, in my opinion, about Popcorn Chats Plus is that you will have access to all of our bonus episodes. Popcorn Chats Plus episodes are going to be a little bit more unhinged, a little bit more unfiltered. If you can imagine a version of Michaela and I that's even more unfiltered than we already are. These episodes are going to give you guys more access to us and our personal lives and more access to our unfiltered opinions about all things pop culture, Things that even go beyond movies and television. For only $5 a month, you can get more content from Michael and I. If you're interested in getting access to these episodes and listening to all of our episodes ad-free and sponsorship free, there will be a link in this episode that you're currently listening to. So if you're interested, just go to the description of this episode and there should be a link there. So that you can have access to all of our bonus episodes along with all of our popcorn chats episodes, past, present, and future, with no ads, no sponsorship. Nothing. You don't even have to listen to this recording that I'm doing right now ever again. Go ahead and sign up. We really appreciate it. We love you guys so
1: much. We appreciate each and every one of you more than you know. Buckle up, because it's going to be a long ride. It's going to be a wild ride. Nobody cares, but we're going to tell you anyways. This is Popcorn Chats. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Popcorn Chats. I'm McKay. And I'm Katie. And we are back with our continuing Game of Thrones coverage as we are leading up to the premiere of House of the Dragon, HBO's newest Game of Thrones show that is premiering in August. So we have been breaking down season by season. Leading up to it, we did season five for this week. Arguably, I think one of the best seasons. Like at least one of the best that we've watched so far. This season was just kick-ass through and through. And I can't wait to talk about it with you. Same.
0: I'm very excited. This was a down bad season for several of our characters. It's also like one of the first seasons where people start to like converge, like storylines start converging. So that's super satisfying. I can't wait to get into it with you
1: gonna be so good but first we must check Check in in.
0: i'm gonna initially address the elephant in the room that i look like an actual ball sack i (laughs) it's really hot here i don't have ac we've gone over this before um i'm on my period so it's just a really fucking bad week to have a uterus for me but otherwise i'm good dude i'm really fucking happy just in my life despite everything that's like going on in the world i'm very privileged I'm going to the beach this weekend with my girlfriend and her family, so...
1: That'll be so fun. Mm -hmm.
0: I'm very excited about that. Don't eat chicken
1: this time if they bring you something with chicken.
0: (laughs) God damn it. That was such a horrible, horrible experience. (laughs) I was so nervous for that, and then that the worst thing that could have possibly happened fucking happened. I am nervous about this trip, but I think it'll be okay. Other than that, I don't really think I have much to, like, check in on i'm with cooper today so he might make an appearance cooper the puppy that i nanny I he does. <laughs> he's he's doing nap time right now he is deep in a slumber but if he <laughs> if he stirs he may make an appearance on this episode
1: today that is the best kind of nanny to be, a dog nanny. Truly is, like, aside from filmmaking, what I was born to do.
0: <laughs> 100%. Your new, your parents' new puppy is so fucking cute. Yep, my parents got a new dog. They thought that our current dog needed a sister, so they got another Golden Retriever just in case people didn't know that we are white um, and upper middle class. Now they can be absolutely <laughs> certain that we are because we have not one but two golden retrievers we've had three golden retrievers now within my 25 years on this planet it is like the dog of wealthy white people (laughs) yeah they posted all over facebook that her name was lucy and then my mom texted the other day and was like there's another name change it's gonna be ruby now so i i thought it was lulu Yeah, I thought it was Lucy for a while, now it's Ruby again. It was originally Ruby, then it went to Lucy, then it, now it's Ruby. So, I don't know. Um, but co- <laughs> yeah, cute. congrats to them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How are you? What's new in your life? Not much is new, except, you know... <laughs> becoming second class citizens it's just it's an everyone problem and the fact that you know like there were people that were like so sick to be celebrating or like that they were celebrating this like a historic event and seeing it as cause for celebration seeing women celebrate it especially i'm like how brainwashed are you that you're literally celebrating t- getting your rights taken away fuck you yeah <laughs> on friday i was like on and off just like so upset all day because it was just like you don't even know how to feel I mean like I know how I felt I was like very like hopeless on Friday like I think a lot of people were like how much horrible news can we just like continue waking up to every single day in this fucking country it's so it's just so maddening that kind of put me in a funk all weekend and I was just like so on Friday I was like so I'm just supposed to like work today I'm just mm-hmm. supposed to like go about my everyday life <laughs> Like, I don't get how I'm just supposed to like get up and do these things obviously I know like podcasts and like forms of entertainment you know and like game of Thrones like they're like a sense of escape from reality so I don't want to like bog this down with like too much seriousness I kind of felt the same way like on my book Instagram of being like what line do I because like the like that Instagram is for like my place for like books and I was like do I bring real world over to it but like I had before and on Friday I was like fuck everyone I like I was hoping for to get an angry DM because I wanted to like fight with someone no one did thank God everyone was like yeah fuck this because <laughs> it's like all women over there just know that if you're out there and you're also very angry and upset and feeling like second class and all of the above. I am too. And this was not the season of Game of Thrones to be watching because I literally watched the episode where Sansa gets married to Ramsay on Friday and I was like, this is just a day against women. Yeah,
0: for real. No, but I really very much respect you utilizing your platform on your book Instagram to, like, speak up about stuff, and you've been, like, very vocal. I just feel like I come from such a place of privilege. I live in California, so even if, like, Roe v. Wade has been overturned now, and my chances of being pregnant are obviously, like, very low because I'm gay, but also when I was in a straight practice, a, like, straight relationship, I had access to to a free birth control and so I will always and have always like come from a place of privilege when it comes to this issue but I'm starting to like realize just because I live in California like we need to fight for the women who live in like the deep south and the women who like live in Wisconsin where abortion is now going to be a lot more difficult and like Iowa like I have friends all over the U.S. and it's not even limited to just people I know it's just everybody should have have the right to do whatever they want with their own body. And like Republicans have been saying that they're going to do this for decades now and they finally have done it. And I'm not on here to be like vote, blue no matter who because I feel like Democrats are equally to blame for this happening and they're using it already as like an election motivator. It's like why am I voting for you election after election and now they're talking about gay marriage might no longer be the law of the land and fucking Lawrence v. Texas which literally protects our privacy in the bedroom. (laughs) Like that like these are the things that Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas is talking about what he wants to bring up next. The Roe v. Wade thing is already horrible enough i don't
1: know we just need to keep fighting and keep talking about it and did you see that senator like openly quote tweet barack obama about brown versus board of education i yeah i did see something about that that was insane just with his full chest like let's
0: bring back (laughs) segregation everything is just so ass backwards it's crazy it's giving Mm -hmm. dystopia
1: for real for real honestly it's Fucking insane. And that's the thing with the Democrat. It's like, okay, do something that they act like they were just a shock. Biden was tweeting like he wasn't the fucking president. And I'm like you're literally the people in power. Like, why are you tweeting at us being like, we need your help? I'm like, we already put you in that office. You do something with it now. Right. And why are you being like, this is horrible. And it's like, well, look who actually can do something about it right now. Like, you're just fucking idiots, all of you. And I literally fucking hate everyone in this fucking place. And just, We should just let animals eat us all and just <laughs> let them free roam in our country because they are the only things worthy of this fucking place. That's so
0: true, dude. I was I was thinking about that. I almost started crying when I was looking at Cooper today because I just love him so much.
1: And like Dude, now do you know how I feel when I look at Dorian and Aria and I just cry? That's the love I feel. They're just so pure and innocent. Vote vote, vote animals. <laughs> vote for <Yes>. animals. <laughs> I vote for any animal that is all for just like wiping out the human race and just running the shit themselves. <laughs> that, although Dorian and Aria would need um canned food cap production to stay up, so I'd need a few people to survive to work the lines (laughs) but besides that
0: wipe the rest of them out.
1: I'm sure they
0: could survive. They could
1: learn to hunt but you know they really love their pate so (laughs) Anyways, oh my God. we got a long episode ahead of us. Yeah, so let's get into all it. All this bullshit aside, let's jump in. Game of Thrones, season five. Whose turn? You did season one, I did season two, you did season three, I did season four. Season five, your turn to recap. Oh, fuck. Okay. All I get right, so nervous for this. <clears throat> in case if this is your first episode, we give each other one minute alternating episodes to give a 60 second recap of Game of Thrones. Obviously, we get into like details later, but here we go. Ready, Yeah. set, go. Okay, so as I said before, this is a down bad season for multiple
0: girlies. First, we have Cersei. She gets this bright idea to militarize the religious um, fanatic group, the Sparrows. I don't fucking know what they're called. But that ends up biting her in the motherfucking ass because she has to go be uh, in religion jail because she fucked her brother and her cousin. Um, Marjorie's also in religion jail, and so is her brother, Sir Loras, because he is a pillowbiter, according to his grandma, and Marjorie lied, uh, to protect him, so she's also in religion jail. Tom and his king, and he's fucking botched. she's not doing anything to help his people out. Um, Sansa is being traded like a bargaining chip, Peter Baelish, bitch-ass, gets her to Ramsay, the most awful, rapist, horrible person ever, um... So Sansa's really struggling. Down bad. Good <laughs> fuck.
1: <laughs> Once again, you got basically one storyline covered. <laughs> just ignore the rest. I,
0: wow. You know, I I stopped listening to this, to Popcorn shots. I haven't been listening um recently because I just like, whatever. But I started like, listening again just to hear how i sound and i'm like will this bitch ever just shut the fuck up like i just go on and on and on and i'm surprised that you're never like we get it let's move on i don't oh. think you go on and on and on. Maybe I just hate
1: myself. <laughs> I was gonna say, I think that's it that we just like fucking hate ourselves, but at the same time, we also think we're the two greatest gifts to the world. So I think we just have an interesting balance.
0: Lately, I have not been feeling like I'm the greatest gift to the world. I feel like I don't know what garbage I think anymore. <laughs> I feel I feel neutral about me. I feel like I'm just
1: here trying to survive. You know what I realized <laughs> the other day? I saw my side profile and I was like, fuck i really hate <laughs> my side profile and i was like wait do i hate my nose and then all of a sudden was i was like wait i really fucking hate my nose and i was like why have i never noticed that before and i'm like i think because i've always hated my body first and i'm like i finally just paid attention to my face for the first time and i'm like wait that shit is key but no dude it was just a fun and it was in the car too it was just like a funny realization i had where i was like oh my god Love that for me. A new revelation of 2022 for me. I look like someone's drunk stepdad who just got done mowing the lawn. <laughs> the mowing the lawn. That's a read. <laughs> okay. Oh, shit.
0: Let's get okay. into this. All right. Let's get into it.
1: Standout star. Oh,
0: fuck me. Can you go first?
1: (laughs) Yeah, bitch, and you're gonna hate me, but it is Jon Snow this season, ladies and gentlemen. I fucking loved Jon this season. I thoroughly enjoyed so many of his scenes. I loved what he did with his character arc this season. Seeing him move his way up through Men's of the Night's Watch, always having opposition against him from like multiple ways, multiple people hating him within the Night's Watch, but ultimately moving his way up, winning their little gaining respect from his peers, bridging the gap between enemies, like former enemies into allies and being such a leader in battle. I, and then at the end of like the grief that you see him dealing with of being like, I am the first one to sacrifice men of the night's (laughs) watch lives for wildling lives and how he like genuinely feels remorse about it. You know, he's not sitting there like probably Cersei would be and just being like, oh, people are people, bodies are bodies. as long as it's not me fucking like fucking cool. I just, I loved Jon this season. I thought he was so good. Like, he he was my standout. I did love the Stark sisters this season. I think, like, I enjoyed probably watching them just as much as I enjoyed Jon, but I think Jon's character arc as a whole this season was my favorite. So that's why I ended up choosing him over Sansa and Arya.
0: You know, I will agree with you. Like, I still have my feelings and reservations about the character of Jon Snow, but I think one of my favorite storylines of this season, and I, if you've listened to these recap episodes before, we typically go like section by section and like storyline by storyline and kind of break things down and I normally we've talked about before that the wall stuff is typically on the low end of our list of like favorite things to be watching but this season is very interesting. That's because like Sansa is back in the north. I don't really know if I have a standout star this season. It's because everyone like was equally compelling to me this season like the people that are really the central focus. It truly is like a transition period for so many characters like Tyrion His life has completely changed. He's no longer a Lannister. Watching him is super fun. Sansa returning to the north, like Cersei being in her down bad place, Danny kind of losing herself. Like it's all very interesting. But I I do really like John's storyline. This season and Sam within that too I guess if I had to choose I would say my standout star is either Sansa or Tyrion just because like Tyrion has been my standout star several times and it's just because I love his character and then Sansa I feel like this is the biggest transition season for her like she agreed especially once she leaves Peter Baelish or Baelish leaves her like she really is in that final stage of becoming like who she eventually ends up being.
1: I just loved how much more screen time Sansa got this season that even though it is like horrible things, I felt like she had more moments of her own where she wasn't just like reacting off of other people, but it was more like her herself. She had a storyline centered around her, which was, I mean, even though it was horrible and we'll get into all the shit that she goes through this season. But I think like Sophie Turner just really shined this season as Sansa.
0: Absolutely. So. Yeah. And we get to see her make decisions too for the first time like a lot of stuff at King's Landing or even just like her plot movements were very much influenced like you said by other characters and what she had to do and now even though she's like a captive yet again she has more autonomy over herself and um, even before she gets to the Boltons like she's making decisions on the road about her life and kind of taking control over the not just her life but like the Stark dynasty as well because as far as she knows Like, she's the last living member of her family.
1: Standout scene. Mine, I want to talk about the episode as a whole. There were so many fucking great episodes. So many epic moments in this season, too, that I did not realize many huge events happen in the two final episodes like I was thinking about like all these massive moments in the show and I didn't realize that so many of them happen literally over the course of two hours of television which is just wild Mm -hmm. but battle of hard home episode it gets me it gives me so many fucking chills every time I see it and that's when John and his and his group of men are rowing away at the end of the battle and the Night King like finally makes his full appearance we have not really seen like this night we've seen this Night King kind of but like not really seeing him like fully embodied you know like walking out on a field you know and seeing him walk out and seeing him raise all of the dead like that it's just so good in his power pose as he does it and just him glaring at john and just the horror on john's face and tormund's face and all of these men watching him single-handedly raise every single person that had died there and to become a part of his army. It's so good. So, and such a turning point again for the show. Like that scene is huge knowing that that's how they can just keep on gathering more troops and more troops. Any battle he faces often, he's got so many more troops after.
0: It truly is like a turning point for the entire series and a, a refocusing of like who the true enemy is after all this like drama that's been going on with Cersei and That episode in general, I think, is, like, some of the strongest Game of Thrones writing ever. I think it's It's such a well-written episode. The storytelling is so good. The battle sequences are so awesome to watch. I love, love, love that episode.
1: Yeah, I want to talk about that episode more as we get into it, but that was just, like, my one standout moment from it. My
0: standout scene was... The second to last episode when Danny and Masandi kind of like find each other when the son of the harpy commit their terrorist attack on Mm -hmm. the little fighting pit. (laughs) I just love moments with like unspoken finding each other moments. I don't know how else to describe this, but like one of my favorite scenes. scenes of all time like in cinema is when Harry, Ron, and Hermione find each other in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part one. They all like grab hands and leave together because she's like this is my person. I need it. And so like just that moment it gives me so much chills when Danny is like being protected by Jorah and uh Dario, but she's like where is Missandei and like grabs her and
1: also Tyrion like saving Missandei <laughs> I,
0: fucking
1: I love, love Tyrion
0: that. there's Tyrion so much Tyrion is our
1: king on this podcast we know he does not end up being the king but he is our king yeah oh yeah Bran is not my king um, is he even on the show anymore <laughs> I did not miss him one single bit this whole season. no
0: no was he fa- was he in the season at all I don't think Let- so. I don't think he was but also
1: I don't know and I don't care. Don't know, don't care. Re- I didn't even realize he was not in it until like the second to last episode when I was filling out my notes for that episode, and I was like, wait, like I don't think I have anything on brand, which I like never do, I always forget him. So I was like, Oh shit, like did he have anything? And I was like, I don't think he did. The show was not lacking for it, you know? No yeah. one needs him. No,
0: but yeah, and then like when Drogo or Drogon or the, the dragon comes and saves the day, and it's kind of like a symbol of Danny finding herself again after kind of of being, like, lost this Mm -hmm. season. The return of Jorah and then the return of that dragon, I think, is very, like, symbolic of her, like, next phase of evolution as a queen. I just that whole sequence of events
1: when the Son of the Harpy attack is, like... One of my favorites of the whole season. So good. I think that is the best moment from Danny because otherwise I did not really like Danny this season and I want to talk about that. So we kind of go over each season, some introductions that we got. So if I missed anyone, let me know. But I'm pretty sure this season, the only like real new characters that we got introduced to were like the High Sparrows, which are like the crazy religious group that have kind of taken over King's Landing and the Night. I mean, like I know we saw the Night King turn that one baby at that one point, like that was him right it wasn't like one of his other night kings or like one of the other yeah i can't remember thought it was him but this is like i feel like his first like big introduction in this season right so those were kind of our two am i missing anyone oberon's daughters oh those three girls i mean they're
0: not super important i really like the girl that uses the whip that's her weapon of choice. I just think that's really a boss-ass fucking weapon of choice.
1: <laughs> I really love all their interactions with Braun too. <laughs> I fucking yeah. love Bronn. <laughs> <laughs> but any thoughts on any of those new folks that we got introduced to? Just kind of...
0: I fucking hate the Sparrow dude. I don't... He yeah. has such a punchable face. He pisses me the fuck fuck off. And it's very timely for everything going on. Keep your fucking religious shit out of politics. And Cersei, fuck you, you dumbass hoe, for militarizing them. It's like the same fucking shit. There's separation of church and state for a reason. You can't just empower these religious fanatic people. They're not thinking clearly.
1: Yeah. And now that there is no separation between church and state, make them pay fucking taxes. I'm not a part of your book club, so I'll have to follow what your little book says. (laughs) On TikTok. And I'm like, that's so true. Anyways, I love the challenge that I guess they present this season because otherwise I kind of think like the Cersei and um, Marjorie feud, like where would we have kind of gone without a third party coming into the mix? Because yeah, you could have gone back and forth with Tommen, but I feel like he's way too passive to make him into like a, a chip between the two of them to kind of pass back and forth. So I do actually kind of like that we did get a third party that's equally as, I guess, powerful. And obviously I just think the Night King's fucking Cool. So I love seeing him. I mean, obviously he's a scary ass dude and I would never want to cross paths with him. I think that moment really establishes him as like the resurrector threat
0: that he poses, John. And then I, th- I think his character is really important in like unifying the wildlings and the Night's Watch.
1: Yep, because I think now they're going to all have seen. Like, the men's of the Night's Watch, so then when John gets back and they're all pissed at him, I'm like, if you would have seen what they just all saw, you would not give a fuck about what John ordered. <laughs> you would be so scared. Yeah. I'm truly traumatizing. Huh?
0: this show just has so many like real life attributes like the um just how frustrating it is watching john try to like get all these people unified and like on board with each other and it's like this threat is real and you all just need to put your pride aside and like prejudice about this group of people aside and work together to like Survive because the more divided we are, like, how are we gonna come together and Mm -hmm. defeat this common enemy? So it's why I love this show so much because I can like relate it to our real lives, even though it's so like fantastical at the same time. It is. I just really wish there was like an administrative office I could go to or like email or write to and be like, can I opt out of periods? Because I don't really need one anymore because I don't plan on having children and I, yeah, don't, I'm not scared of
1: getting pregnant, so. Yeah, you never have to worry about having a pregnancy scare anymore. Okay, we are like (laughs) almost an hour into recording and we have not even gotten into storyline. But first, this is just the first season of some crossovers, some big crossovers that we've gotten. So we got Tyrion and Danny meeting for the first time. We got Sansa and Theon slash Ramsey. So Sansa and Ramsay are a crossover for the first time, but Sansa and Theon are our first like kind of big reunion we've had. I mean, yeah, we had like Jamie and Cersei, but that was seasons ago. Uh any thoughts about that? quick before we jump into deaths. Yeah, not really. Also,
0: Brienne and Sansa.
1: True. And then we had what I would say are, like, four most notable deaths of the season. Again, if I missed anyone, let me know. But we had Sir Barristan. R.I.P. R.I.P. Sir Barristan. Really liked your death, actually. Then we have Shireen. Fucking botched. Botched. Beyond belief. So botched. Marcella. Not really, like, a huge death to us because, like, we, like, is her character that important to us? No, not really. But, like, in her moment, you know, her death is like notable, you know?
0: Yeah, I think that moment is done really well to like make us feel
1: um, something for her. Something,
0: yeah, for her and like Jamie.
1: And then finally, we have Stannis. Bye. And then, you know, we're left on the, I guess John technically does die. He dies at the end of this season, but then he is resurrected in season six. so I don't really count him, but those were kind of like our four big notable deaths this season. Did I miss anyone? I am keeping track of all the deaths. So that way in our season eight, we can round out all of our fallen. (laughs) Okay. Who do you want to start with? where shall we start? I have Cersei and like like King's Landing in
0: general first on okay. my notes if you want to start there. I just the season starts with a flashback to Cersei as a child and it just kind of shows us how she's always been crazy from the jump and this season also really establishes her love for her children. I think it's hard to know where Cersei stands and she is like undeniably an evil person who does evil things but if her her love for her children was ever in question this season kind of puts those questions to rest like she will do literally anything for them which is why I think also Marcella's death hits a little bit harder because we see that after she walks naked through the streets just to get back to Tommen and then we see like or does Marcella die before that
1: no she dies before that
0: okay but still it's like she doesn't even know it's just crazy I think I do I do like Cersei's story in this season Cause it's weird how it makes you root for
1: her a little bit
0: to see her like beaten down
1: in this way. Yeah. Cause at first you're like, Oh, when she gets the Tyrells and then when she's in there and she's trying to be like, this is an outrage. It's like, fuck you. Everyone knows that you set this up. And even like the Tyrells know that you set them up. So like, who are you acting for in this situation? And it's so hard because as much as you want to like hate her again, you have to applaud her mind. Like she's incredibly brilliant and her manipulation. Manipulation knows no bounds. So seeing her put this plan into place to get Marjorie and what is why can't I remember Loris into the dungeon is like it's such a blow to you, especially like I feel like for you and I, Katie, because we love Marjorie so much. So to see Marjorie down there, oof, rough. But then you see her cockiness, which is always going to be her downfall. She has this arrogance that she can never be bested and that she's a Lannister and that she will always come out on top. And you see that when she's like like, I'll go talk to the High Sparrow because it's beneath you, Tommen. Like, let me do it. And then you see her get her shit rocked because she yeah. thought that she was untouchable. She can't, you can't create this beast and then not have it bite you.
0: Yeah, definitely. It is. She did definitely get a little too too cocky in feeling like she is untouchable. And I don't think she knew enough about this High Sparrow guy um, before she like militarized him and gave him so much power. It's just, like, a bad situation because Tommen is so young and so spineless and her manipulative tactics uh, kind of backfire. Trage, Cersei. Also, we have the shame.
1: Ding ding ding! Oh, Shame. Yeah, that, that scene,
0: The Atonement. It's hard to watch. Like, it's one of those scenes where it's like, what the fuck was the filming of this like? Like, what did this look like? The actress who plays Cersei, just where she had to go in order to film some of these scenes, I can't even imagine. She's really giving like Anne Hathaway in fucking *Ladies* with her like haircut and her just like crying walking through the <laughs> streets, tits out punani out total rock bottom for this mm-hmm. character truly and it's like i don't like it like i'm
1: not like hell yes or see get your shit rocked mm-hmm. you know it's like again kind of what we were talking about with theon a few uh, episodes back when we were covering maybe like season three or season four when we're like we fucking hate theon but then it's like do we want to see him tortured by ramsey no no. Like we don't want to actually see that And I feel the same way with Cersei in this season Like we want to see her get her shit rocked But not like this Like this is horrible to watch her go Yeah, through. Yeah we want to see her get I guess like
0: what she deserves But also it's like who these religious people thinking that they like know what people deserve and mm-hmm. think that they can like dole out these punishments like this. I doesn't no. sit well with me. I don't like it. Yeah, I just it the show is so good at like making you root for people that you were rooting against, or vice versa. It's so complex emotionally. But just to really like see the state that her feet are in by the time she gets to uh the castle and the way she just like breaks down crying, it is full like vulnerability of um that we, the audience, get to see her in. And then, I don't know. It's just a very powerful sequence. And yeah, the fucking nun, biggest flop of the season. One of the biggest flops of the season. I've, I have a flop list. Um, and she def-
1: <laughs> she made the, the
0: list of She flops.
1: made the list. <laughs> yeah, I I don't remember how Cersei gets her revenge. I just remember that she does get her... Is she blown up in the spaylor? Or is she is it different? She's tortured. Okay, anyways can't wait to see that get your shit rocked also just the last part about Cersei's whole walk that I think was like the first moment where it's like oh shit was seeing all of her hair get cut off because I do just think like that like hits so I think I don't know why that like affected me the most but I think like hair feels like a security blanket for many women like I know I do like if I had all of my hair just like shorn to my scalp like that I would just feel so much like even fully clothed right now if I had my hair shorn I would feel so much more vulnerable than I do because there is just like that sense of like your hair I don't know I know it's just like as trivial as hair but I think in that moment like watching her get that get stripped away from her like it did something to me
0: yeah I think the way they have it like kind of covering her body too before they start to cut it off and then they like take it all off and you can like fully see her like boobs and everything, like there's she can't hide anymore. And then it's like you think it can't get any worse. And then sh- they like take her little burlap sack off in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. It's just like you don't want to see anybody in that mm-hmm. position. And it's like Cersei's arguably one of the most hated characters up until this point. Mm-hmm. So it's like why am I feeling compassion and empathy and sympathy for this mm-hmm evil person.
1: Well actually I think if Ramsay would have had to do that walk I would feel joy. I don't think I would feel any sort of um, empathy towards him. Where with Cersei she's morally grey leaning more towards like evilness a lot of the time where Ramsay is just he's not even morally grey. He's just a straight up evil. So I would love to see him get his atonement walk and see that little nun with her bell. Shame! (laughs) Behind him.
0: Just like religious you know people condemning other people or people being like you're a sinner it's like bitch I just that doesn't sit well Mm -hmm. with me especially right now with everything but it never has sat well with me I just that's why I hate Mm -hmm. that
1: old dude and I think see the people in the town I don't even think gave a fuck that she fucked her brother or cousin I think all that they cared about was that they've just hated her for so long and that she has mistreated them for so long that she was like I think like they were like hell yeah this is our moment now to finally like show our open distaste when like she can't do anything about it so I do think it yeah. was like a purging for a lot of them which I mean you know I guess get your licks yeah. in wow way to hit while somebody while they're down
0: but it was weird that some people felt compelled to or oh wiggle their dicks around like yeah <laughs> men just please stop <laughs> i would like to send a cease and desist to all men
1: <laughs> next time you think about that just don't put your dick away you think that you're so much better you just wait one of these religious high sparrow men are gonna turn around and be like oh open nudity that's not okay shame yeah your
0: body is supposed to be a temple for the lord of light or whatever i don't i can't even keep track of who's worshiping who. I don't but, think they
1: worship Lord of Light, do they? No, they're like the. I that's
0: just the a blood seven. Yeah, girl. I don't know. We got the faceless, the many-faced God, the Lord of Light, and then whatever the fuck these like sparrows are worshiping. I think so it's many- like the seven. I I feel like they're Christianity. I, I can't keep all their book clubs straight, so it's like pivoting, but it is still part of Cersei's storyline. I would have really liked to see Marcella and the Dorn guy get married mm-hmm. and like try to solve the rift between their families I just really like that storyline I think it would have been cool to like have them come over to Westeros and Mm. I'm kind of pissed at Oberon's wife like she also made my flop list this season Mm -hmm. because it's like that was a good arrangement and now you're just like starting a war for what yeah
1: Um, your husband chose to be a fighter like he chose that it wasn't like he was wrongly convicted on a trial and like had to fight for his life like he literally chose to do so and it was like yeah yeah, obviously shitty, but I don't know. I do think that she was kind of a flop. And yeah, it was a bummer to see if that happen because I do think that would have been an interesting storyline down the road. And I like just seeing people genuinely like each other on this show and like want to be married to each other because they actually like each other not because it's like for some political gain or arranged marriage. Also before Cersei gets thrown into religion prison
0: um, her conversation with Littlefinger and just like that whole situation where he's asking to become Warden of the North I just love those like political conversations where both parties kind of have something on the other it's just, I liked that scene as well well I wanted to note that.
1: Fucking hate you, little finger.
0: It's also crazy that Marcel is just like, I'm glad you're my dad, uncle. <laughs> oh,
1: what? What was that? Yeah, I did love that scene between the two of them. And like you said, I think the writers made us care for like a quick, like they had to have a heartfelt moment before she died. Because if like all of a sudden he just walked down to the cabin and she was choking, you know, like that wouldn't have done anything for us. But they have like this emotional, emotional moment between the two of them. And it was like kind of cute. But then when you think about it, like she's genuinely saying like, yeah, I'm totally fine that my mom and her brother created me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. She's still pretty young and I don't know if she has a full understanding of the situation that they like fucked each other I think she's more just like I'm glad that you're my dad like I like you as a person and it's cool that
1: you're my dad we'll frame it that way to save her memory <laughs> <laughs> so then should we transition into Jamie and Braun? since we were there with Marcella. Yeah, I
0: don't have a ton of notes on them just because I kind of had them like
1: lumped in. I just, once again, how much how much I love like the braun and Jamie pairing, actually. Like I think that that's cool. And I liked their whole when they like dressed up as guards and snuck in, you know? I just thought that was funny. And I just like the two of them. They're both kind of like the two comedic relief characters. Since seeing them go on a mission together was just fun. And then I loved Braun down in the prison, how he's just always got to come on to women literally everywhere he is and now he tries to get with the Martell woman and I would love if him and the one Martell daughter would have actually gotten together. Like that I know, hot. I know. sexual I tension like they was there.
0: They should end up together.
1: Um yeah that was all that I had on Bronn and Jamie. My next notes are on Danny. Let's jump into Danny. Cause yeah then we got Tyrion going into so we got Lannister to Lannister to (laughs) Targaryen we're starting to see these threads like coming together more and more like a natural transition between storylines so yeah
0: yeah it's awesome the idol like crashing down to introduce her this season I feel like Danny's intros are always super cool at the beginning of every season and very telling of like how her story is gonna go so she's faced with like having to kind of for the first time deal with the fallout of like ending slavery and like, ruling a city or like reconstructing a city because so far she's just like liberated these cities and then moved on. And she hasn't really done the hard work of reestablishing democracy or like, I mean, I guess it's not democracy because it's a monarchy but you know what i mean like it's just you can't just liberate these people and then move on because then you just completely dismantled their corrupt and like problematic society but you dismantled their like way of life and so you can't just do that and move on like you got to do the hard work of fixing the problem the fighting pits i don't like it i don't like her confliction with all of that, but I do really like her and Dario's relationship and him, like, challenging her.
1: Danny, get it.
0: Yeah. Get it.
1: He is so fine.
0: So I do really like their relationship this season.
1: I did not love watching Danny this season. Um, I love her, the final episodes with the Kings of the Harpy, and I... Loved that final moment with, like, Drogon and everything. But I think overall, this is, I think, where, obviously, once again, you cannot argue that her madness came out of nowhere. Did you see her this season, (laughs) anyone, okay? Just because you don't like how it ends in a total, you can't say that you didn't see that shit coming, because look at her this season. She is a cold, cold person. And when she does that thing with the people that she takes and then takes them down to the dragons and has them all, Mm. like, kneel and then shoves one forward, I'm like, so you're really telling me... They you never thought that she might go mad and like kill a bunch of people. But I just think she lacked any sense of warmth and vulnerability that she used to have in the other seasons that like made her likable. And I'm not even saying that you have to be vulnerable to, as a woman to be a likable character because like there are very strong characters like Brienne, who is a very strong woman and really doesn't have much of a vulnerability for a lot that we see, but she still has like an openness to her and a warmth to her that Danny just completely lacked this season where she's always had before. And I don't remember on my first watch ever not liking her, but this season I was really kind of like, I just was not feeling her. I think without Jorah, without her dragons, with her taking charge of this city and seeing the way that she kind of was... Uh, Leader, I didn't like it. I didn't like her. I just, I didn't really like her this season as much. And then I obviously, like the last two episodes, for me, I needed to kind of like bring me back to her because by the end of the season, I'm back loving her. But over the course of it, it was kind of the first time on the rewatch where a previous character that I've absolutely loved for the first time, I was kind of like, I don't know if I really like you that much right now.
0: 100% agree with you. And I think like last season and this season for Danny, it's been, you know, like the first First couple of seasons it's like she's the underdog and coming from nothing um and just like having these lucky successes but now it's not like her luck has run out but um she's definitely like meeting challenges and kind of facing the reality of ruling um and like the consequent not the consequences but like the like I said the fallout of liberating these people and completely like changing long-standing systems um I think you know watching her sentence that one um former slave that she had on her council to death like that was I think a bad decision and it's like why are you still letting there be a class system like why are it's just like and then in last season when there was that one guy who wanted to continue like working for the family that he had always been a part of it's like things are a lot more complicated than just like being this bad bitch who like liberates everybody with your dragons
1: I think it kind of showed how Unprepared she is as a leader. That even though she has this birthright and that she obviously is incredibly strong and has these dragons and obviously can rally people around her, it takes a lot more than that to be a leader. You need some level of political savviness that she kind of lacked this season. And obviously, I think she does gain. But you see, especially with Sir Jorah gone, that she's lost one of her most trusted advisors. And you kind of see how much of a role he really did have in her political party, I guess. That execution scene was so, I'm like, you are making a huge mistake. And as soon as they're like yelling at you, Misa, Misa, like this, this term of endearment that they gave you because you liberated them. And then now they're like begging you like, hey, cut this guy a break. And you think like, oh, I can't let them undermine me, which is fair. Like you can't do that. But I think when you're so newly established in this, you have to like think twice about that. It's a difference than like Ned Stark beheading a man from the Night's Watch that was a deserter when he has been a leader for years and, like, it's an established stable empire I guess that the north is versus Danny who has like a baby city on her shoulders that she just barely overturned like it's not stable enough for you to already be making these grand gestures against this group of people that you're now trying to gain the respect of and lead
0: they have that conversation too with like the reopening of the fighting pits and excuse the sirens um that whole conversation of justice and who deserves to live and who deserves to die and like what justifies death and all this stuff danny is so against the fighting pits because it's like people dying unnecessarily but then she beheads this former slave um because he killed some like a killer he he killed somebody that was like a criminal i think a lot of this season is like justice being delivered in certain ways and it's just like uncomfortable when this justice like justice in quotes is doled out because it's like what does one man's opinion like why does that override all these other factors into it and like danny's pursuit of justice is kind of what ends up biting her in the ass at the end and um being her, like, Achilles heel and her, her failing point of, like, her view of justice and who deserves to live and who deserves to die being, like, the end-all-be-all absolute thing. It's just kind of her her biggest flaw and I like that she has that conversation with Sir Beriston about her dad and how she's different from him shortly before he he is killed And I think that's also foreshadowing of like without him to remind her like don't be like your father Um, because mm-hmm. now that Sir Barristan is dead no one is no one who was witness to the mad king is gonna be there to advise her so mm-hmm.
1: I think the first time I watched this, I just saw Dani through a lens where I was like, she is, like, perfect. Not, like, perfect in general but I just like I didn't look for any flaws in her whatsoever I was like I am rooting behind her a hundred percent I was kind of like Sir Jorah ride or die behind her you know like
0: yeah that's how
1: I felt in this season just looking at her from a more like objective perspective and Mm -hmm. it's interesting this season
0: I I was the same way and I think I just wanted it to be her so bad and I wanted her to get there and I understood like that she was Flawed, And I didn't agree with her decision to like kill that former slave and um, like reopen the fighting pits, all this stuff. But like the end of the season when she kind of has her like refinding of herself and it, it's not like necessarily confirmed, but it's like, okay, I don't think she's going to continue with these fighting pits and she's got her dragon back and she's probably going to like mm-hmm. get control over them again. And now the Darth Raki are back into the mix, like bringing her back into her root. Hey guys, so this episode was way too long to be made into just one episode. So if you want to listen to part two, it's already up wherever you're listening to this podcast, this first episode, you should be able to listen to part two right now.